Exploring the Word is brought to you by Reclaiming America for Christ and the Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. This is Pastor Paul Blair. Thank you for joining us for today's edition of Exploring the Word. Today we're going to be continuing our series of Christmas messages in preparation for a great Christmas day. And of course, we recognize that Christmas is not about Santa Claus and Christmas trees. Christmas is about the birth of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. I hope that you enjoy the conclusion of this message entitled, Peace on Earth, Goodwill Towards Men. We welcome you to the radio ministry of Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond. We invite you to join with us for today's Exploring the Word. Here's Pastor Paul Blair. Our sin has separated us from a holy God. Isaiah 59, 2 says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have caused Him to hide His face from you, and He will not hear. Now, folks, that is a problem. If we die separated from God, then you will spend eternity separated from God. And Job, in one of the oldest books of the Bible, articulated this particular dilemma as Job, in writing about all the afflictions that he was enduring, assumed that God was mad at him. He said, obviously, I've done something to bring God's wrath upon me. I've become God's enemy. Somebody has to bring the two of us together. And he said in Job 9.33, for he is not a man as I am that I should answer him that we should come together in judgment, neither is there any daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand upon both of us. Oh, Job said, if only there was a mediator that could make peace between me as a sinner and God in his perfection. Well, folks, the eternal word of God stepped into his own creation. The Logos became flesh and dwelt among us And we beheld His glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, as Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ, never laid aside His deity as the eternal God, as the second member of the triune Godhead. But He did lay aside His privilege, and He humbled Himself to become a man, fully God, yet fully man, Then our Creator, who had become flesh, in whom we derive our life, and He who sustains us as man, gave His life as a substitute to pay for the sins of all that His creation had committed. Wow, that's pretty impressive work as a mediator. Colossians 1 says this, And having made what? Peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself. And you that were sometimes alienated, separated, and enemies in your mind, why? Because of your wicked works, hath He now reconciled. Peace has been made between the two. Jesus is the mediator to which Job referred. The one that could bring together man and God. Paul in his letter to Timothy said this, And there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified of in due time. Romans 5, Paul said this, Therefore being justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God. 
Those that had one time been at enmity with God, had been enemies of God, the ungodly sinners separated from God. Now we have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, do you know that you're going to heaven? Spoke with a young lady the other day, told me the same thing. I asked her why. She said, well, I'm a, I, I try to do God's will. I'm a good person. Well, that's where we began. Consider Jesus' prayer in Gethsemane. Jesus was there just shortly before he was going to be taken. He knew what was in store for him. And Jesus, with the Father, saying, Father, if there be any other way, then let this cup pass from me. Jesus knew why he came to this earth. He spent his whole ministry talking about the cross. He knew exactly what he was here for. He was the author of this design. Yet now that he was literally at the door, I'm sure that in his humanity he had to have dreaded the human suffering that he would endure. But even much more than that, he had to dread becoming that which he hated so much. As Jesus was about to take the sins of the world willingly upon himself. Now think about this. I, I mean, I can't fathom it, but imagine, imagine being scared to death of spiders. And all of a sudden, as you're walking through a room, walking into a whole bunch of spider webs. That kind of... Ugh. Or being scared of snakes. And being in a bathtub and have somebody pour a barrel of snakes in the bathtub on top of you. It's just... Ugh. I mean, Jesus detests sin but there he was just hours before he was going to be nailed to a cross and have all the sins of humanity placed upon his shoulders he said father if i've overlooked anything if we if there's anything missing if we've overlooked if there's any other way and what was the answer folks if going to church was good enough to get you to heaven jesus wouldn't have had to go to the cross if doing good works on the scales of eternal justice, I've done more good than I have bad. If that was sufficient to get you to heaven, then Jesus wouldn't have had to go to the cross. But why would a loving God send His only begotten Son to suffer so greatly and to die for my sins if there was any other way? And Just as we began this message with the reference to those Lambs that were taken by a father in his hands, placed upon the head of that substitute, that sacrifice, confessing the sins of his family, and then killing that lamb. So too, John the Baptist pointed to Jesus when he was baptizing at Bethabara beyond Jordan and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which comes to take away the sin of the world. Isaiah 53 says, All we like sheep have gone astray and turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord, God the Father, hath laid upon him the Son, the Lamb of God, all of our sins. Jesus gave his life for us. Amen. Folks, the Prince of Peace made peace between a sinful man and a holy God. 
It was this quest for peace that drove the great Martin Luther. Martin Luther did all that he knew to do prior to the Reformation. He did all the requirements of Catholicism. He did the penance and penance and penance, and he couldn't relieve himself of this great guilt that rested upon his soldiers. Well, one day, reading in the book of Romans, he read these simple words, the just shall live by faith. And it clicked. It's not what I do, it's what Christ has done for me. The great prince of preachers, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, had gone from church to church looking for that peace. He was so burdened by his sins. One day on a terrible snowy day, he wasn't able to get to the church that he was intending to go to. Wandered into a nearby church. The weather was so bad, the pastor wasn't even there that day. One of the deacons got into the pulpit and preached from Isaiah 45, 22, saying, Look unto me and be ye saved. And the lights went on with Spurgeon. He did. He looked to Jesus and by faith received the gift of eternal life. Folks, you can't have peace on this earth until you've made peace with God. And peace with God has been brokered to us and given to us by faith in Jesus Christ. Period. In addition to peace with God, the prince offers to us the peace of God. Now folks, this word peace includes more than simply the absence of hostilities. The Hebrew word peace is one you're very familiar with. It's shalom. Among its many differences or many meanings, it means to be complete, to be well, to be made whole. I love the book of Ecclesiastes. To me, it's one of the greatest books that any of us, well, you need to read the entire Bible repeatedly, but Ecclesiastes is such a great book for practical living. This book that was written some 3,000 years ago, yet it's so relevant and pertinent to us today. Ladies and gentlemen, understand that we were created special. We were created different than all other God's creation. On day six, God formed man out of the dust of the earth, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the scripture says he became a living soul. The Bible testifies that we were created in the image and likeness of God. Now, the depth of what that means, I can't tell you, but part of it is this. We have a conscience ability to use logic and reason to determine what truth is, to choose to do right and wrong. To, we have the ability to commune and to worship with all other creatures do not have. And God had made Adam his representative in charge of the garden. And God communed with Adam daily. God gave Adam this one charge. Adam, I'll never force myself upon anybody. You've got one response, one rule. Everything in the garden's yours, but that one tree right here. This one here, Adam, just in case you missed it. This one right here. Tree in the middle of the garden. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This tree, Adam, don't touch it. Don't eat of it. Everything else is yours. Don't eat of this one. Well, what happened? You know what happened. Bible says that one day his wife got him into trouble. And isn't that the case, men? (laughs) But we'll not go down that path because I want to have a happy Christmas day. (laughs) But Adam disobeyed God willingly. Well, Bible says that Adam was going to die that very day. God said, Adam, don't eat of this tree because the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Well, wait a second. Adam lived another 930 years outside the garden, had many sons and daughters. Was God mistaken? No. Adam didn't die physically. 
Adam didn't die mentally. Adam died spiritually as he was now separated from God. Sin had separated him from his God. Folks, do you realize that that is our purpose? Our purpose here is to bring glory to God. Our purpose here is to have a relationship with God, to serve Him. It's all about Him. Revelation 4 says that we are created for His good purpose. Colossians 1 says that we're created for His good purpose. It's all about Him. You go throughout the pages of Scripture, and God's ultimate goal, beginning in Genesis and ending in Revelation, is that He will be our God and we will be His people. That's God's design. And when Adam disobeyed God, death entered into the picture. Again, not physical death yet. Intellectually, he was there, but he was spiritually dead. There was a void that exists there. Folks, there's a void that exists in all men. What is it? It's shaped just like Jesus Christ. There's that spiritual void that exists within us. Hey, we have human bodies. We are alive physically. We are alive intellectually. We can talk. We can commune. We can get married. We can have jobs. But there's something missing. Man doesn't know what it is, but man goes about on the search. And the devil tries to tell man what's missing. Oh, you need some things. Oh, follow these theories. You know, you need some thrills. If you had more, more fun, then you'd find you'd fill that void, baloney. The Bible talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life being the temptations that the devil uses to try to con us into thinking that that's what we need. But that's going back to the book of Ecclesiastes. That's why I love that book. It's a testimony of Solomon, this great king who took his eyes off God, lost his joy, and began systematically trying to fill the void that was there in his life. And he went through a checklist, literally, and spelled it out for us. All the things that the devil tells us that we want. Power, fame, wealth, sex, uh, booze, you name it. Uh, uh, vacation houses, good times, everything that the devil tries to get us to fill that void with, Solomon tried. And at the end of every experience, every experiment, his conclusion was vanity. I'm still empty on the inside. And folks, that's why you see rich and famous celebrities going through divorce after divorce, going from one screwy cult into another, alcoholics, drug addicts, even suicidal. They have money, they have fame, they have all that the world has to offer, trying everything to fill that void. But they can't be made whole. They can't find that peace, that shalom. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not the products of some mindless evolutionary process we are the product of a divine creator and we are created with a purpose we are created to have a personal relationship with our god to serve him and to worship him and unless we settle that we will never fill this void within us the peace that wholeness that contentment in all things that sense of purpose and direction only comes from a living personal relationship with jesus christ part number three we can have peace with God. We can have the peace of God. And the Prince of Peace offers us peace in God. You remember the night of Jesus' arrest? They were in the upper room. There was considerable dissension. 
The evening began with some debate over who was going to be the greatest of the disciples in the kingdom. As they recognized that Jesus was going to be leaving them, there was concern and an argument, and eventually Judas was identified as the one that betrayed Jesus, and then he left. There was all sorts of things going on. Jesus began that night with those famous words, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I'll come again for you. Receive you unto myself that where I am you may be also. But Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Oh, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Praise God. And as they went throughout that conversation, Jesus assured them that even though he was leaving, he was not going to leave them alone. He says in verse 27 of John 14, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and shall bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Shalom, I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard how I said I go away and come again unto you. If you loved me, you'd rejoice, because I said I go unto my Father, for my Father's greater than I. But now I've told you before it came to pass, that when it came to pass, you might believe. Jesus said, there's no reason to worry. I'm in complete control. Everything that's happening is just as I told you is going to happen. They didn't understand many of the things that Jesus had told them until after the fact. We know that to be true. But they could rest in this confident assurance, knowing that it all happened just as Jesus told them it was going to happen. Now, folks, in life, they had learned. They had learned to lean on this visible Jesus that they walked with for three and a half years. There was not too big of a problem for Jesus. Imagine walking around with somebody that when you have five loaves and two fishes and you have some 20,000 people to feed, it was no problem. There wasn't a McDonald's drive through There was nothing of the sort. Five loaves and two fishes fed 20,000 people, 5,000 men, Plus wives, plus children, I estimate 20,000 people, and there were 12 baskets left over. That's pretty impressive. You know, mom could stretch a budget, but not like that. Dead person, Lazarus, Jairus' daughter, no problem. Jesus had the ability to raise from the dead. Calming a storm at sea, Lord, we're going to sink. Peace, be still. Wow, that's impressive. Not a problem. Casting out a demon, no problem. But now Jesus was going to depart from them physically. He said, I'm going away. And he did. He said, I'm going to be with my father, but don't worry, I'll come back with you. Well, he is eventually, but remember, he did come back with them for 40 days then and taught them many truths. And they had greater understanding. But he also said, here, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to guide you and empower you. And guess what happened at Shavat, what we call Pentecost? It happened just as Jesus said it was going to happen. Folks, the disciples learned that even though they couldn't see him with their eyes anymore, they could still trust him just the same. They could rest in Jesus, trusting in his word, and receive a peace that passes human explanation. Now, folks, unsaved people experience peace only when they're smooth sailing, only in the absence of troubles. But Christians have the ability, that sometimes we don't take advantage of this, but we have the ability to enjoy peace in the midst of our trials because of the comforting presence and power of the Holy Spirit. It's in those times that we can go to Proverbs 3, 5 and rest in it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. What should I do, Lord? In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. 
So times like this that we can go to Isaiah 26 where it says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. We can go to Philippians 4 and say, Rejoice in the Lord always. It doesn't say rejoice in your circumstances. Lots of times I'm in the middle of something that I'm not particularly happy about, but we can rejoice in the midst of those circumstances. Again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation, your lifestyle be an example unto all men. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. Be careful. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Folks, this is a peace, the Bible says, that passes human understanding. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit that will be manifest in our hearts when we simply rest in Him, yield to Him, and trust in Him. It is that kind of peace that allowed Paul to be content in all things, as he wrote to the church in Philippi. It is that kind of peace that allowed Stephen to have perfect peace even at the moment of death as he was being stoned to death. It was that kind of peace that allowed Paul and Barnabas to be singing hymns while they're locked up in prison. Folks, the Prince of Peace has brought us the peace of God, peace with God, and peace in God. Let me ask you a question, and I'm closing right here. I believe most of us are Christians. I hope, that, well, I hope we're all Christians. I don't know that. I think we are, but I, I don't know that. Is there peace in your home? Does peace reign in your home? Why not? It should. Is, does peace reign in our church? I think most of the time it does, but we have our moments. But it should all the time. The Bible calls us ambassadors for Christ. Quite frankly, our hearts, our homes, our churches should be little embassies. Little peace embassies on this earth. But folks, you can't be at peace if you're not saved. If you've never met the Prince of Peace. You can't have peace in your home if you haven't submitted to Christ's rightful place as Lord in your life. If you haven't submitted to Christ as Lord, then the husband's going to be doing his thing, the wife's going to be doing her thing, the kids are going to be doing their thing, and you're all going in different directions, you're butting heads all the time. There'll be no peace there, you're going to be arguing all the time. It only works when everyone's surrendered and submitted to the Lord's leadership. Then you're all pulling in the same direction. You can't have peace until you rest in God. Know His Word. Walk as close to Him as you can every day. Trust that He'll take care of everything else. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. He'll carry the government on His shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful. His name is Counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. Of the increase, the extent of His government and peace shall never end. Upon the throne of David, where was David's throne? And upon His kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice henceforth even forever. Is there any doubt? No. The zeal of the 
Yod-Heh-Vav-Heh, the Lord of hosts, the God of armies, shall perform this. That child, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, was born some 2,000 years ago, and we celebrate his birth. One day, he will literally rule and reign visibly from his throne in Jerusalem. There will be peace on earth and goodwill towards men as he reigns in power and glory as King of kings and Lord of lords. That hasn't happened yet. But in the meantime, we can experience that peace that passes all human explanation. We can have peace with God by accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior. We can have the peace of God, having that contentment, that wholeness, that fullness of being born again and walking in His will. And we can have peace in God, even in the midst of trials, even in the midst of circumstances that we don't like. We can rest in God with a peace that passes all understanding. That peace That goodwill is extended to men today, and we can receive it today. Everybody loves Christmas. The decorations, the trees, Santa Claus, gifts, time with family. But folks, don't let all that take your eyes off of the fact that Jesus is the reason for the season. The Creator became part of His creation so that He could die for your sins and for mine. We celebrate this time because it's remembered as time of His miraculous birth. But folks, recognize why He came. He came to die for your sins and for mine. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I know you know about Him. History books are full of Him. Half the history is wrong. But has there ever been a point in time in your life where you have recognized that in your own power, in your own righteousness, in your own good works, honestly, (laughs) you're not worthy of heaven? Has there been a point in time where you have reflected upon and recognized that Jesus died for you? And he rose again to prove that the debt for sin had been paid and to prove that he was, in fact, who he said he was. Folks, that's the reason he has had more influence on this planet than any other person in history. A man that never traveled more than 90 miles from his home, that never raised an army, that never amassed a fortune, that never conquered a city. All he did was die as a Jew, like millions of other Jewish zealots that were crucified by the Romans. But why was this one different? Where we even tell time, the history of the world revolves around the date of his birth. Why is he different? Because he's the only one that didn't stay dead. He came out of the tomb. Jesus is the Lord. That is a fact. But there's got to be a point in time in your heart and life where you receive Him as your Lord and Savior to forgive you of your sins and become the Lord of your life. We thank you for joining us for today's edition of Exploring the Word, and we look forward to being with you next time. Until next time, Merry Christmas and God bless you.
You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond. We hope that today's journey in God's Word has been a blessing to you. You can find more sermons and resources at our church's website, www.fairviewbaptistedmond.org or call 405-348-1745. Join us again each weekday for Exploring the Word from Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond.